keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome everyone to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host Robert Carpolis and I am joined as always in that sweet sweet sounding HD audio by Scott Chaplin. Scott, how are you? Uh, uh, I'm feeling good, man. How are I'm you? Do- I'm doing great. You know, it's uh look, we're we're back uh to the old the old days. We're we're doing a roast. It has been far too long since we've had an opportunity to tear into something about uh, the world of professional wrestling, and uh, we're taking a big swing at it today. Uh, we are we are talking about uh, TKO, uh, but before we we get to that, I'm going to do a, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, first and foremost, uh, Dan and Mike, who couldn't join us today. Support both of those guys if they're coming to a town near you. I know Dan is is touring both on his own as a headliner as well as opening for Dan Soder. Uh, and Mike is on a variety of dates with Pete Davidson. So, you know, that that guy needs all the help he can get to put some butts <laughs> in seats. Uh, that's why we're here. Uh, if you are a member of the Patreon, we dropped a great episode uh, this past weekend. Uh, Scott talked Bound for Glory, which we're going to touch on very briefly later in this show. And I sat down with Forbidden Dork Sean Porter, who uh, is a referee with the NWA. We got into a little bit of the upcoming NWA TV rights deal, what it's like being a ref on the indies, uh, his time working in OVW. It's a it's a really great chat. It's well worth it at the $5 Patreon tier, the $10 level, something to sports entertainment with. Uh, I delve into this week's Raw, which very briefly will will emerge later on in this episode and you'll you'll understand why um i'm sick of hearing the sound of my own voice scott so let's let's move right into uh in into the uh the, the roast of tko sound good yeah i love that um explain to the fans and me what tko is <laughs> sure so tko is the merged entity of wwe and ufc uh, under the the Endeavor uh, umbrella, Endeavor is uh, one of the largest agencies in the world, run by Ari Emanuel. Uh, Ari Emanuel, the inspiration for Ari on uh, on Entourage. Um, this is a a big blockbuster combining of two of the largest sports entertainment entities that exist so wwe which was a publicly traded company was primarily controlled by vince mcmahon uh that board now sits under uh this new tko umbrella so it's a merged entity of wwe and ufc ufc which was bought outright and owned by endeavor so 
it is a publicly traded company. It is essentially controlled by by the board, which is overseen by Ari Emanuel. Vince is a member of this board, uh, but his power is significantly depleted and uh, continues to uh, occur on an almost weekly basis. Uh, I hope that uh, that clarifies things a little bit for you, Scott, before having to you know get into like business entities. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, all the research I did, it's um, a lot of like stock talk yes. and a lot of this guy was this guy and now he's this guy. And it's all titles that I thought were reserved for like politics, but they exist in in um, companies, too. And then you look into the histories of these guys and they don't even I mean, so uh, uh, Ari, is it Ari or Avi? Ari, right? Ari. Ari Emanuel. They don't even know his birthday. You go on Wikipedia and they're like, he's 40 or 41. We're not sure. I mean, how do the richest people in the world get away with us not knowing their fucking birthdays? Uh, because Ari and his brother, Rahm Emanuel, uh, control the world. And that is uh, <laughs> in, in some ways it's it's kind of true. I mean, Rahm Emanuel was the, the chief of staff under Obama. And before that was one of the inspirations for uh, Josh Lyman's character on, on the West Wing. Like, it's so one guy controls the entertainment world, one guy controls the political world, and there is no stereotype whatsoever that we are implying whatsoever. Um, but, you know, take from it what you will. Ari Emanuel is an insanely powerful person in the entertainment world. Um, there may be a reason that some of the folks who typically are on this podcast may be hiding this week to not incur the wrath of of Ari Emanuel. But I'm OK <laughs> with it because I think deep down Ari has a great sense of humor uh, or more importantly, does not give a flying fuck about this podcast. So, yeah, that would that would be my assumption. But, yeah, the 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 bright side of this for them is you're now able to negotiate and leverage deals together. There's a there's a sense of stability at the top. This is a well-run corporate entity. They are able to get their tentacles into all of the 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 broadcasting rights, the streaming rights, the merchandising rights and it's it's pretty remarkable just because when you think of what WWE owns and what UFC owns, and now these are all able to be leveraged and combined together because WWE owns the largest video library on the planet. That in and of itself has a tremendous amount of value. Uh, UFC owns I mean, they they own Pride, they own Strike Force, um, they own the the World Extreme Cage Fighting. They also have their own streaming service. They have their performance center in the same way WWE has a performance center. It's a fantastic combination of assets for them to really be able to leverage and control. And what's crazy is there really is not a single entertainment entity right now that does not in some way, shape, or form have a piece of what WWE or UFC is doing. UFC content is available on, on ESPN+, Plus through, uh, through Fight. WWE content is on Hulu, which is owned by Disney. Uh, ESPN obviously owned by Disney. WWE Network stuff is on Peacock, which is NBC Universal, as well as USA Network. WWE on Fox, which is obviously owned by Fox. So 
you're touching a lot of major properties, streamers, all of that together under this one massive juggernaut. And for me, the biggest bright side is you've now removed the authority and power of Dana White and Vince McMahon, who are two great carnival barkers that really, if you want to have a, an entity that's going to thrive and survive in this current environment, you can't trust it to Dana White. And you can't trust it to Vince McMahon. So in a way, this ensures that WWE will exist going forward and it will exist doing what is, I guess for lack of a better term, best for business versus what was best for Vince and his impulses. Yeah, that feels about right. Um, again, these guys, if they do have problems in their lives, they seem rich enough to keep them secret. And, you know, we can shit talk Vince McMahon all we want. Uh, his dirty laundry got out there. And it, it kind of was out there the whole time, right? Even a lot of these accusations that came out, it's like we always knew Vince was a sleazeball, um, et cetera, et cetera. It does feel like a, a fresh coat of paint. It does feel like they're away from something that we all had judgments on, meaning Vince, even Dana, right? Even though Dana's the spokesperson. But TKO, like this fresh, po uh, this fresh coat of paint comes with Triple H as the voice of WWE, which it's just such an easier company to even like like a pill to swallow when you're sitting there watching it going, OK, this is coming from this guy's mind, not our preconceived judgments of an old man who, you know, he was losing it at the end. I mean, the last few years of him in control of WWE was I mean, they were appealing to like three year olds in moments and just him. Oh, yeah. I think the biggest kind of blight for like Vince is a great eye for talent. I, I don't don't get me wrong. That guy can spot someone and say he has it or he doesn't have it. And he has a tremendous track record. There are very few people over the years he truly missed on. But you look at how he cast Roman Reigns and how many years we were we got a squandered version of Roman Reigns as this goofy baby face that was never who he was going to be. Or you look at how John Cena was and recede for so many years. And Vince just put his head down and was like, we're going with this. This is what it is. It was like the right guy, but in the wrong role. And now you can still use Vince's eye for talent, but it's now being shepherded by Triple H and in NXT by Shawn Michaels, who are two dudes who generally know how the wrestling business works. And at the end of the day, they are now driven by money and not just Vince's ego. Like you, it, you, I mean, it's, it's very literally just Triple H now in terms of the old um, – I, I consider him a part of the McMahon family. That, that's what I mean. So Steph is gone. Shane has been gone. And Vince, it seems, is being slowly let out a door. <laughs> Pretty much. But Hunter – married into the family but he is not a mcmahon uh, i think in the specific sense that hunter's vision of wrestling and vince's vision of wrestling are two very different things hunter was a big fan of the nwa he loved harley race he loved the four horsemen he liked a lot of that style vince was if everybody could wrestle like the ultimate warrior great 
So we'll, we'll see what, what Hunter's, you know, impulses are going forward, but he's a guy who at least grew up a wrestling fan and understands what makes wrestling work. And he put in his time. I mean, he babysat the click and he kept Shawn Michaels alive. And he has survived Vince as his father-in-law. It's probably why his heart's the way it is, but you know, is what it is. No, man, Triple H won this whole thing. Well, for now, let's, let's give it time. I, I, I don't, I'm just, I'm worried that like in six months time, this is going to be controlled by like the road dog. Oh, what a turn. Road Dog would have to turn heel on H for that to happen. And he's done it before. Why would he not do it again? That's true. That's true. Yeah, he's not a uh he he's he's loyal now, but he's been slightly less loyal in the past. Like the last time he left, like when he first left and went to TNA, like he went scorched earth, him and Billy. Then he came back and everybody was good. Then he got let go for a little while and he tried to get in with AEW. And then they told him to politely fuck off. And now he's back in the fold and part of our ad free shows network of which we are honored and privileged to be members of. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, yeah, I don't want road dog running, running WWE smart guy, but not, not the guy in that role. But at the huh. same time, Ari doesn't have the loyalties anymore to, to Vince and them. Like he got what he wanted. And he could easily get rid of Hunter and just say, we're bringing in, uh, you know, a writer from some major network or something. Exactly. They can go back to before my time in, in the writer's room. There's still one guy there. Like they brought in people who worked on friends or worked on like survivor. And they're like, Oh, you guys can just transport that, that idea from one show to another. And we know that's not how wrestling works. So Yeah, that always worked out like shit, right? It always works out like shit. Um, what you really want is you want a diehard wrestling fan with a bottomless piggy bank writing wrestling. Because what could possibly go wrong? Unrelated note, we'll be talking Dynamite later. <laughs> Damn. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to the, the roast portion of the Roast to CKO. Uh, Scott, do you, uh, you want to go first or what do you want to do? Sure, I'll go first. All right. Wow, it's been a long time. It's like riding a bike. I'm I'm not I'm gonna fall. <laughs> yes, but at least they're gonna hear your jokes. Even if they're not great, we're gonna hear them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. So I uh oh, oh, let's start this way. Uh TK Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> your ass better call Ari. I thought that was gonna sound that was gonna rhyme. Ari doesn't rhyme with somebody. No, anyway. it, it doesn't. Anyway, I uh, I approached researching TKO with the care and urgency of Jeff Hardy making the save for his immobile brother. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Um, Ari Emanuel is a former agent. Agents are like John Moxley. If a check is involved, they're taking a cut. <laughs> all right, where do we begin? So Nick Khan is now president of WWE. Proceeding former con Vince McMahon. Boom. You put con and McMahon together, you get a con man. All right, here we go. Vince is now executive chairman of TKO Group Holdings. Before this, Vince thought group holdings was when you pushed a woman's breast together. (laughs) WWE was purchased by Endeavor, as in will this end ever? 
Who knew Vince's future was Endeavor? He's going to be future Endeavored by Endeavor. Anyway, uh, Ari Emanuel owns Endeavor. Ari's brother uh, is the former mayor of Chicago. So both have no issue being associated with a place no one takes seriously. (laughs) All right. uh, Now UFC and WWE, they are two powerhouses under one roof. Two powerhouses under one roof. What is this, a Valentine gift at the Cornette home? <laughs> there are two media conglomerates under one umbrella. Teddy Hart said, under one umbrella? That's my address. <laughs> <laughs> uh, much like a tire on one of Sonny's cars, Vince is getting the boot. <laughs> and finally, buying WWE is like buying the toy company that made Chucky. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. Yeah, yeah, it's a good guy doll. Uh, I fucked it up. Yeah, yeah, it's a good guy doll. But do you know what happened there in the early nineties? Whatever. <laughs> oh man, that was that was great. It's been a while since we've we've gone it's after Sunny. Yeah, Sunny yeah. has had it so good for the last couple weeks. I got like a cramp. Yeah, I got like a cramp at the end of that. That was like uh, that was getting back into the game. We're, you're limbering up. Uh, we'll 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 have a uh, we'll have a November roast or two to to really uh, loosen your your limbs. I don't fucking know. All right, uh, <laughs> the the roast of TKO. The WWE and UFC have merged, like if the human centipede only went ass to ass. <laughs> the new entity is called TKO. They got the name TKO after what Dana White did to his wife in the elevator. <laughs> it's confusing for the competition because in AEW TKO is code for Tony Khan overdosed <laughs> TKO wasn't even the future the first... is TKO for sure <laughs> yes we should probably check before we post this to make sure that's not that hasn't happened uh, TKO wasn't the first suggestion they wanted something that both WWE and UFC had in common but eventually decided not to call it CTE. Oh my God, that's great. (laughs) It's a weird merging of the fan bases. It's combining UFC fans who snort meth with WWE fans who snort cookie dough. (laughs) It's combining WWE fans who go to Comic-Con with UFC fans who are ex-cons. Ex-cons. It's combining UFC fans who storm the Capitol with WWE fans who had released the Snyder Cut tattooed on their arm. (laughs) It's combining WWE fans who live in their mom's basement with UFC fans who were jealous their mom's trailer doesn't have a basement. (laughs) Uh, Since the merger, the stock hasn't done great. Ari Emanuel said the stock was being held down by Vince McMahon, which usually results in an NDA. Amazing. Ari Emanuel is now the most powerful Jew in sports entertainment. He's like Paul Heyman, but with good credit, hair, and the ability to see his feet while standing. <laughs> Ari removed Vince McMahon from power. I'm not saying McMahon is mad, but he did ask Johnny Ace to pick up a roll of quarters. <laughs> Vince is now out as the head of creative. He's so powerless and ineffective in the WWE, they've renamed him Robert Karpolis. <laughs> Damn. 
Triple H is now in full control of creative, which is great news for men who know how to have fantastic matches and women with huge clits. (laughs) And finally, there's one thing WWE and UFC can truly agree on. They don't want to return a phone call from CM Punk. <laughs> uh, the roast of TKO. That was that was fun to shake off the cobwebs a little bit and, and yeah, yeah. We should definitely do one maybe maybe early November. And I know that's soon. So early November's next week, dude. Well, okay, you know, maybe we're at that, I told you maybe. we're at that weird time where like it's October, but in reality it's already February. Like we've already gone through the holiday season. You've already done Halloween, you've already done Thanksgiving, Christmas. It like we're at what what's a good February holiday that's not like Valentine's Day? Is that yeah? Is, it does feel that, is that like Arbor Day or something? I don't know what the fuck Arbor Day is. All, all due respect to now, the I show. know we're doing the Christmas thing this year where people can like hang out and listen. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're a Patreon, we, we do a roast. We, we do this every year. We do a surprise roast, and then we do uh, all four of us get uh, cameo secret Santas, and we've had some real winners in the past. And if you and, and it, what's interesting about these cameos is the real winners is usually the biggest loser. <laughs> yes, the the real winner last year I think was like James Ellsworth who got paid money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Max Caster did a really good one for you. That was a that was a strong. That was one. flawless, man. Unbelievable. He was, he was great. Uh, the best, the all time champ. If you haven't gone, if you're not a Patreon member, you haven't heard this. Uh, Brian Alvarez did a cameo for Dan that went about three hours. And it yeah, is just it went nowhere. the saddest thing you've ever seen. Um, it's well worth going at it for like, how, I don't know how much he got paid to do that with like 30 bucks. Uh, oof. Whatever will get him not having to talk to Meltzer, he's happy to do for long stretches of time. But that one was awkward. So that'll be coming up this year. I don't know when we're going to set the exact date, get everybody rounded up when uh, when we're able to make it happen. But, yeah, we do it live. We do it in front of an audience. There was that one dude last time who was going to town on ships. Oh, man. God bless that man. That yeah, dude was awesome. He was he was the winner. Uh, but look, we're all we're all winners here. Because we're all getting to sit and talk about pro wrestling. Uh, I, I didn't even fucking believe that when I said it, which is fine. You, but... Did you enjoy your pro wrestling this week? No. <laughs> no, this was Wait, a... really? So, my, <laughs> Raw was not a good show. Raw this week, in, in all fairness, because we don't cover Raw on on this on this broadcast. Um, that's that's the something that's worth entertainment with here. But Raw this week felt like an old school Vince episode where they threw out the script and then just scrambled at the last minute to do stuff on TV. And it was a three hour show that felt like a six hour show. Um, yeah, not a- because the week before I feel bad. Cause I didn't really mention the week before had like three bangers, right? They had um, Gunther versus um, who's, who's the, who's the big fellow who was in new Japan. Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed, yeah, he's great. Um, they had Shinsuke versus Ricochet, right? Yeah. And this week had what? So this week did have it had. I mean, it was a really good. There was a Sammy Drew match that was actually really good. That you you should definitely try to go out of your way to see. They did Jey Uso, Damian Priest in the main event, which was was fine. But then a lot of the show was just, it was a lot of Judgment Day. And they just kind of kept plugging him in and plugging him in and plugging him in. There was a lot of Nick Aldis 
which seems unnecessary. We don't we don't need Nick Aldis. Um, Alpha Academy and New Day had a pretty fun tag match, but the crowd they're both babyface teams, so the crowd didn't know what to do. So you just get that awkward silence. And then the worst was there was a video package for Ivar being repackaged sort of as a single. And it's all these like Vikings and flames and putting like the shit on his face. And my wife walks in at that exact moment. And she just looks at him and she goes, how, can, how the fuck do you take this seriously? Yeah, man, you really got to like put yourself in the context of pro wrestling. You can't, I cannot even say it's kind of good when anybody else is in the room judging it on like the level of what else is on television. It's very much its own thing. But like, it's like, that's the moment she had to walk in. I was like, it, it could have been better than, you know, <laughs> here's this, here's this fat dude pretending to be a Viking in the middle of like a, uh, clearly a, a park where you can probably see swings in the background. And, uh, yeah, it's, well, uh, I mean, some people will remember this and I saw a meme of it, but it's very real. Um, when you would play the old, like, like, uh, SmackDown game or whatever, um, like, and the load screen was Trish Stratish, Stratus yes. and you're waiting for it to load and it's just her. And then your mom walks in. Yeah. That's not a good, that's not a good look. Yeah. That I mean, was you a look good back look. at it and you go, there's nothing wrong with the look, but as a kid, you're like, Oh my God, my life will be over. She'll think I'm some sort of, uh, sexual deviant. Oh, I, I can't imagine. Not that I'm thinking of any of our current co-hosts or anything like that, but let's say you're like a grown man and you have an action figure collection. Some of the female action figures, like if somebody walked in and saw that, they would be a little worried. Yeah, I know you're right. Uh, yeah, I wonder if, if there's a ban in the house on female. No, there's no way because he's got like a storm. He's got all those uh, X-Men, X-Women, I'm sorry. No, I, I, I don't think you can call them X-Women anymore. That's not politically correct. <laughs> They're transitioning. <laughs> uh, I'm. We're joking. We are – a the the most LGBTQIA plus friendly podcast in all of professional wrestling, um, in actually in a lot of ways I think I mean uh, we're not going to go down that path. Uh, ah! I was gonna, I was going to say something like people aren't actually, here. In a lot of I'm ways, not going uh, to portray conversations. I'm not going to portray trust the people, but no, people are are. Mike's always been overt and open about the fact that he uh, he's he's openly bisexual. Uh, and Dan oh, yeah, yeah. has talked about Roman Reigns more lovingly than he has his own wife. And we're OK with this. Uh, we've had multiple uh, trans guests on before. Like, we're we're good. We're, we are we're, we are welcoming to like all people except Nia Jax. Just fuck off. She's the worst. <laughs> he's still um, on roll. She's still in Raw. She's still like a focal point of Raw. She'll fight for the title, maybe, right? And then she is. She's part of the Fatal Five Way in Saudi Arabia, which is not a great name for a, a wow. women's match. Wow! Wow! Yeah, that. And they announced a uh, a German pay per view. They're doing I their saw first that. ever cool. German pay per view, which should be which should be fun. Um, some insensitive pricks made some jokes about it yesterday on social media, um, making jokes about the Holocaust may or may not have been me but you know this thing these things happen but i think by the time they get to that show you know they're doing the show in australia where i'm guessing you're gonna let Rhea headline and then you're going to germany and you can let gunther headline wow you're right i didn't even think about that it's it's part of this you know this global expansion is is pretty solid for them and, and I'm it looking is pretty up amazing that you know 
however many years this company's been around and they obviously, you know, it, 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 it has felt like they took over the globe. And then just now for the first time, it's like, oh, we're, we're finally going to give you a pay-per-view from this place or this place. Now I have a question though. Are, are they kind of twisting it? Like, have they ever filmed anything there, but now this is a premium live event. And so they're kind of getting one up on us, but in like 2001, they, they were there. No, they, they've they've toured there, but okay. the, the problem with doing TV, the, the problem with the pay-per-views, like the, the best thing that happened to them was the network and now Peacock because they don't have to worry about pay-per-view buys. Like you, obviously you order every pay-per-view, you pay full price. Full price. We, we know that. That's established. It's well-established. Some people, unscrupulous folks may have you know found illicit means to get pay-per-views, but because sure. they don't have to worry about any of that because it's just too subscribing to Peacock, you can run the show at any time during the day. So it kind of kept them from doing a pay-per-view in England or doing a pay-per-view in in you know mainland Europe or doing something in Japan or Middle East because you'd be at a weird time of day and they don't want to risk losing out on buys. And the pay-per-view providers would only give them like one slot a month, especially when they were up against WCW. So now you can go and say, oh, yeah, we're going to go to Germany. We're going to go to Australia. This thing's going to air whenever it is, and you can kind of watch it whenever you want. And it's kind of fun to like, hey, wrestling's on at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. Let's let's sit and watch. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's – I mean I, I think I told you this. One of the reasons I started watching New Japan, it's just, oh, I got to wake up at 5 in the morning to go to work. The rest of the world feels asleep. I'm bummed out. Nothing, I want like tangible, relevant, current news or anything and one of the only things that felt alive was live wrestling in japan and i was like all right let's do it yeah uh, so I, I was always jealous of soccer fans for having something they could um wake up early and be excited about because waking up early is you go oh no work but like moving your schedule around something that is just oh this is a this is an event that's fun and exciting and yeah, I'm so glad they get to do that now because of like apps. Yeah, I, I can't relate. When you have young kids, you're up every morning early anyway, so it doesn't matter. Sure. And if I'm getting up early to rearrange my schedule, it means we're getting up and I'm we're still going to be watching Bluey. So it's like it is what it is. Um, but one thing I didn't have to move my schedule for, which was watching this week's episode of Dynamite, because I will be perfectly honest, I I kind of forgot Dynamite was on. Like it's DVR'd, so we're good. But no, like we weren't texting about it for the second week, and we're like nobody seemed to really be watching it. Um, I didn't get, you know, texts from other people going like, "Oh my god, did you see X, Y, and Z one way or the other?" It just it kind of feels a little, a little flat, and you're starting to see a little bit of the Tony Khan flop sweat. And the the first piece of that, we'll get to the show was this was Okada's first match ever on Dynamite. And they just announced it a couple days ago. Yeah, they announced it on actually not even on Collision, I don't think. I think they announced it on Battle of the Yeah, they did. They announced, they announced it, on, it on Battle of the Belts. Yeah. And dude, they don't advertise that for shit. I mean, I legit didn't even know it was happening. Uh, I watched it, but I didn't. I didn't know it was going to be occurring. So that is a fail, sure. But at the same time, is advertising Okada for? You know, maybe a week would have been right, but two weeks, does that make a difference? No, but they sh probably should have said it last Wednesday. Even a week, but a, a week in event, like it's the first time he's ever competed on, on Dynamite. 
that to me feels like a big deal. He's been on before and Mike wasn't happy when he was on in like street clothes, like he just got off the plane. But yeah. if you're if you're promoting that guy, there is absolutely an audience who will seek that out and be yeah, excited about so. it and make that appointment viewing. Um we'll get to we'll we'll, we'll get into it. We're going to talk dynamite or dud right now. Overall, I think when I look back on it, good show, but it was like good but unremarkable at the same time, which is which is a bad trend for AEW. Either it's like spectacular or it's god awful, and then it's fun. This was just sort of there was a bunch of stuff. So Dynamite opens with MJF in the back getting interviewed by uh, Renee Paquette, and he's on speakerphone with Adam Cole. This gets interrupted by the the Kingdom, who offer to have Max's back, and then there's a cutaway to the Devil in his Devil mask. Ooh, spooky. Uh, we get MJF versus Juice Robinson for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Uh, Max retains. Juice bleeds all over the place. They made the allusion to what happened with Juice in the quarters without outright saying it to kind of remind you the motivation of why Max wanted to kill him. After the match, the guns attack Max. The kingdom come out to try to make the save. Uh, they get easily thwarted. This brings out the acclaimed. The acclaimed clear house. They, Max tries to make friends with, or Max Caster tries to make friends with MJF. MJF blows him off. Then he gets confronted by Kenny Omega, who then challenges Max to a match on collision for the title in like three days, and Max accepts. We'll unpack that in a minute. Uh, Wardlow had a really strong video package. Oh, wait, can we just acknowledge that this all was just the first segment? It was this like is all a, the first segment. Yeah. into a segment. Yes. And it was a lot, yeah. It was a lot packed into into one segment. Uh, they do a Wardlow video package where he's just kind of like, I, I don't get it. I was away, and all of a sudden, everybody likes Max when he's a piece of shit. So I'm going to – I got to win the title and beat him. Um, sure. John Silver and Alex Reynolds took on a hook and Rob Van Dam for the ECW crowd to be happy and see Rob wrestle live, or more importantly, for him to come out to walk – by Pantera Live, which was probably more fun than the match. And then there was a segment with Sting and Darby Allen and Tony Schiavone because Tony Khan got uh, Sting a gift, and his gift was Nature Boy Ric Flair. And there are no returns. So now Sting has to babysit Flair and Darby. Uh, Christian comes out with Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne to uh, make fun of Flair and Sting for being old. And this just kind of goes on for a little while. Uh, Scott, what'd you think of hour one? Look, <laughs> my dog got spayed yesterday and she was really drugged. And I, I knew she was out of it and she was real loopy and not just hour one hour two as well. It all felt like a big fever dream. I felt like I was on her medicine, uh, but I liked it a lot. Shit. Medicine feels good. Right. <laughs> but there was this constant sense of like, wait, what the fuck am I watching? Like, what is occurring? I liked all of it. I thought it was cool, but it did feel a bit um, surreal. Maybe in good ways. It, it felt like to me, like, that maybe that first year of Dynamite where everything felt new. And, I, you know, like the Kenny MJF thing, you can go, yeah, that's rushed, right? But, like, these confrontations and these interminglings, Two have never looked at each other for what is now going on five years 
it's impressive that they're doing it now. And it feels fresh, like every moment felt fresh that first year when no one had ever crossed paths, you know? So I, I liked that for this reason. I think the reason it's, you know, you go, oh, it's rushed and it feels rushed is because, well, one, they need people to watch the show. They're petrified. They need to sell tickets. That is definitely very real, and I'm sure that's what you're going to lean on. Tony is definitely like, oh, shit, people need to tune in. People need to get here. Uh, but I also think it serves the storyline they're telling, and I just think they're they're in like a fortunate situation to the last month or two. They've been really setting up this everybody's coming down on MJF thing. Kenny to say, hey, you know, in a few days, you're going to beat my record. Let me defend that record. It It is out of the blue, but having Samoa Joe come up to MJF later, having Wardlow cut a promo immediately after that confrontation, it makes you go, someone's going to get involved. This is not going to be like the conclusive, definitive Kenny Omega MJF match. It's just going to be one of many. And what we might get out of it is like Omega versus Joe, which, ooh, I'm pumped on that. It, yeah, because that be Joe, yeah, that'd be a blast. So, you know, there's a lot of ways you can go with it. It feels frantic. Look, let's jump to the Ric Flair thing. Is he signed? Did did they do a Ric Flair is all elite thing? Is he signed with them or was he like a gift for? I don't think he he's. He I don't think he's month? signed. Melcher says that basically they're they're they were trying to bring Rick in before, but then all the dark side stuff happened, and they're they're trying to drop him in now because they're doing the TV rights deal and they want to try to pop ratings. And Flair said something in his fucking fever dream of a promo about how he's going to stick around until Sting uh, retires in March. Okay. So okay. I don't so know. He'll, he'll be popping in here and there. Hey, it if he is if he is used as something that people can beat up on, so Sting can you know we can have a reason to get even further behind Sting. I'm fine with it. My heart, uh, it didn't drop when Ric Flair came out. My eyes rolled. My heart didn't drop. My eyes rolled, and I just went, "What the fuck are you doing, Tony?" Especially because every time Rick has made a public appearance for the last maybe two or three years, it's like, is he drunk? Is he okay? Why is he always going on a tangent? Why does he not know wh what this is even about or what this segment is about, what this event he is at is about? And so I think it's a bad move in that regard where he's like legit reckless. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And he's, he's you know, I hate to say it, but he seems to have an, uh, a real drinking problem. I hate to say it. It's like the most obvious thing. But he does. And so just to continue funding like the life of travel, the life of waiting in airports, of late nights, of hotels, you are continuing to push him in a really bad direction. But at the same time, he's 100 years old. Like maybe, you know, let's yeah. start shooting meth, Rick. Like, let's go for it. Like he's 100 years old and it, it felt weird and unnecessary that this is how you're using flair. But, to, to hype up the – because the story is supposed to be Sting's retirement. That's a big story. Do you really need flair to make this feel more important? I'll say this. Uh, in, in the context of a gift to Sting, Ric Flair does make sense to me. Um, I just don't want him really around the company. Yeah. I, I will say this, though. Christian coming out and doing what he did made my head go, oh, my – did you just bring him here to do this? Because that's excellent. Christian coming out saying he's got a black – a black liver saying he's going to die sooner. He should have died 20 years ago. Like really harsh, harsh words. Um, they were, but it's also weird that Christian's the, uh, the, the dad guy 
and doesn't call out Flair for being a, a, a bad father. Oh, that's interesting. Like maybe we'll know, get there. Yeah, I mean, you don't even. I mean, obviously not going down the Reed path or anything, but like oh. the 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 fact that like you you abandoned your 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 son David, like you hung him out to dry. Um, you you make this all about you. You took your daughter's stuff and made it all about you. Like there's plenty of meat on the bone there for that, but it, it felt a little tepid and weird and just not really necessary long term. For if this was a one off, fine. But when he's saying I'm going to be with you till March, we're already kind of plugged in on. We want to see what's going to happen when Sting retires. We don't really need Rick for this. And I thought the surprise, quite frankly, was going to be Luger. Yeah, but, well, he's in a wheelchair now, right? He is, but you can still. It doesn't make him not. Yeah, he he has every right to come out there. Um, you can put him out there, and then I think just literally the the image of um. Hold on one sec. I got a sting. Hey, sorry about that. We I I had to go take a a quick uh, call. We were in the middle of talking Ric Flair, and then much like Ric Flair's promos, we got distracted. Uh, I know we were, we were talking about, you know, if Lu- if they could bring Luger in uh, or or something else. I think for AEW, having Flair on TBS, in the ring with Sting, in the ring with Shivani to evoke the old NWA WCW thing, from an imagery standpoint, I get where that makes sense. Long term, this will wind up being probably more harm than good, especially because... I'm you, you. I mean, you think Rick's going to wind up wrestling, don't you? Well, I know you, Dan, and Mike do. Uh, who was it? Dan said that Tony doesn't have it in him to not do that. Yeah, he's too impulsive. So, oh man, I don't know because a Ric Flair tag is not a Sting tag. It is bad. I mean, his final match was a tag with Andrade, and um, I don't it's, remember it's who they Jay fought. Jay Lethal and. Wow, yeah, yeah. And Rick, Rick, I mean, it was bad. Rick was, I thought he was dying at, at the end of it. Can you hear me? Oh, now we go. Sorry, you know what it was? I pushed mute on the headset on my phone, <laughs> on my phone, on my on my headphones. Um, so I'm sitting here having a conversation like one of these, like, like someone's grandmother on Zoom. And I'm like, <laughs> why can't you hear me? It's because there's a button on this stupid headset on top of the mute button on the screen that, I accidentally pushed uh, and muted myself, but uh, the fuck was I in the middle of just saying? I was getting somewhere with this, and I, I went off the rails. Again, like a Ric Flair promo. You're talking about how good the Dynamite was the first hour. That's right. <laughs> it was a banger of a show. Well, no, I mean, look, the MJF Juice Robinson match was exactly what it needed to be. It was goofy babyface Max, which that crowd ate up. He did the kangaroo kick. He got blood. He got his win over Juice for Juice hating Jews. That was totally fine. The Kenny MJF thing boggles my mind just because there aren't as many dream matches that AEW has left that they think they do. And this is definitely one of them. So to give it away on collision with like three days promotion, that's rough. And if this thing doesn't pull a big number, that's a major black eye for these guys. It just seems like a lot of risk and not a ton of reward. I get the story of everyone's coming after Max, and I think that's great. But yeah, this felt like this came out of the blue. And now it's like, well, fuck, we got to do this match with no real hype. 
Yeah, I mean, one thing you are right about is if it doesn't pop a rating, a lot of people are going to start talking shit. And maybe Tony could say, well, we did it three three days notice. That's why, you know, I'm sure he will find his excuses. I, I don't care. But that's by his own that. creation. You can't blame an excuse when you created the problem. Yeah, yeah. Hour two, Chris Jericho does a sit-down interview with Renee Paquette talking about what happened with, with Will Hobbs, and he promises that he's going to bring in a uh, a friend to even things up, a big friend, a show-stopping friend, a Ugh. big show-stopping friend, a giant – he's going to probably bring in fucking Paul White, and it's going to be just brutal. <laughs> Here's why it's not good, because I can argue why it is good. Powerhouse Hobbs is going to pick up Big Show. Exactly. And that's a cool thing everybody gets to see. Problem is, Big Show is for sure going to put an offense, man. Like, they're not going to not let him put an offense. And the truth is, yeah, in terms of, like, his legacy should be a guy who comes around and destroys people because he is a giant. But that's not his legacy. His legacy is he kind of gets beat up a lot, even though he's a giant. And so, yeah, it's cool for like a highlight reel, but I do not think the match will be good. I do not think um, any offense by Paul White to anybody is it's just ineffective. It doesn't do what you think it does. It's a weird it's a it's just weird because both Jericho and Big Show are in their 50s. And yeah. this this rampant idea that that like AEW is suddenly getting very very old and relying on a lot of older talent is not dissuaded by a Jericho Big Show match against Hobbs and whoever else um I don't know who else that they would I guess throw they in have there. so much young talent though like to catch it they do but I I I think the the bad kind of outweighs the good but it's also weird when Jericho's like I'm bringing in a friend because I have friends when his whole story with the Jericho Appreciation Society was they all turned their back on him and he has nobody. Well, yeah. And also, well, yeah, that's true. It's like he should have been in it the whole time. And, you know, we used to say that. We thought that would have been funny if Paul White was in his little bullshit sports entertainment group because Big Show is such a, a sports entertainer. He is such a bullshit sports So, yeah, I think you'll get a moment out of this. Or, like some people are saying, it's not the Big Show. It's Goldberg. <laughs> oh which, god which you know well that wouldn't make any sense they're, it's like they're trying to kill us um next up speaking yeah, it's of like there's veterans and then there's there's ah, these guys that can't do much in terms of like really anything affecting young talent and making them excel well on an unrelated note the next match had the hardys Dude, this is okay. Great point. I thought this match was fun, right? Uh, it had its fun moments, but that was so much because of what the Bucks do when they're in a wrestling match. Yeah. And sorry, but when I watch the Bucks on Dynamite, and it's very rarely, but when you watch them on Dynamite, my brain immediately goes, "Oh, this is this is what this show is. This is every time the show is bad, it's because they they aren't focusing on." real talent like these guys and like FTR. I'll name other tag teams, but they're just special, man. I mean, that match was such a party and Matt Hardy was in it. Yeah. 
It was it was fine. It was the Bucks and Hangman versus the Hardys and Brothers Brothers Z or Zay or whatever the hell it is. Um, it was a fine six man tag. They brought up that private party beat the Bucks, which felt like such a big deal at the time, but then it never went anywhere. And that was always one of the strangest things. Like they, it's a, they initially understood the value in young guys beating an established team and building on it. And then they never really capitalized. And I thought for sure private party was going to be a bigger deal than they were. And they were just kind of a team for a long time in the same way. Top flight was just like a team for a long time. Uh, after the match swerve uh, appears on the screen, he breaks into hangman's house and cuts a promo on hangman's baby in the crib, which was creepy and eerie. And I think was effective. Um, we then get Adam Copeland who they literally did that exact storyline with Copeland and Seth like a couple years ago. And it was a weird, it was like a forced parallel in my brain when Seth showed up at Adam Copeland's house and or edges house, sorry. And like walked through it and cut a promo on like the kids artwork and all that other stuff. And then you recreate it here. And then the next scene is the guy who was literally in that before. He gets confronted by Sting and Darby, and Sting seems to have gone off script in the same way Ricky Starks went off script, and they just kind of talked at each other for a while. Uh, Ruby Soho lost to Sheeta, and then after Tony Storm came out, and in a moment that makes me think that it is possible Mike Lawrence went from writing Saturday Night Live to writing Dynamite, Tony Storm is now accompanied by Dr. Luther. MJF is in the <laughs> trainer's room. And he gets confronted by Samoa Joe, who's like, hey, you need a friend. Um, but kind of in the way that, like those dudes said it to Andy Dufresne in Shawshank Redemption and was like, I'll be your I'll be your friend, but you got to give me a title shot. And then in the main event, for reasons that I don't know genuinely why these four were in the ring, but whatever, uh, Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli took on Orange Cassidy and Kazuchika Okada. And uh, Claudio beat Orange Cassidy. So going forward, you've now set Claudio up as the number one contender for the international title. Uh, Brian and Okada had faced each other on pay-per-view and Okada broke Brian's arm and he still won. And Okada did not get his revenge. Brian did not get his revenge. And the show went off the air in this weird thing where Brian got like hit in the head and they're all freaking out over it after Tony made this whole point before of we're not going to fake concussion storylines anymore. And everybody comes out from both sides and they're just kind of staring at each other awkwardly. And that was the end of Dynamite. What do you think hour two? Well, you know, because they got they got a few extra minutes uh, to go over, and they only needed one extra minute. Yes, <laughs> so they're, they're like, like, we're sticking with this to the end, and then the match ended like ended at like ten oh one. Oh, ten oh one, legit, yeah. And, and then and then you had two more minutes of them kind of, you know, those moments when the show is over. It, this is when the crowd leaves, and and the guys walk to the back, and maybe you get a dark match. But we just watched that. That that was weird and uncomfortable. I'll say the thing about Okada being on it. One other than like. I'm grateful for it and happy and I don't want to complain about a delicious meal uh, is that Orange Cassidy is a member of chaos, which Okada is a member of. Uh, and even more than that, what it kind of shows you is that he's getting really serious. Like the way that he bumped, I don't know if you watched battle of the belts, but he bumped into Moxley on his walk out. It was like very much orange Cassidy. He did it. 
And I think he's getting tougher and angrier and more aggressive. And so now that he's approaching the Blackpool Combat Club, he can't use his buddies anymore because he's got to take it seriously. So he's like, I'm going to bring in Okada. Well, it turns out Okada couldn't help him either, right? Because they lost the match. So, um, right? They did lose the match, right? Yeah. And yeah. so um, I think what you're getting is like this story development of Orange Cassidy kind of having to dig a little deeper than just being the fake relaxed guy. And I like that. But yeah, I thought a majority of this hour was, uh, I, I like the Samoa Joe MJF thing. I was really crazy about it. I didn't like the women's match, man. There was like, you know, the, the refs in AEW are already not very good at their jobs. And so when you have moments in matches where there's distractions and interference, and there's plenty of that, it just leaves the refs, like it leaves an opportunity for the refs, refs to fuck up and accidentally see something and not call it and this and that. And I feel like that happened too often in this match. There were a couple moments in this match, in that match, where it felt like Ruby was wrestling herself. Like yeah. she was trying to sell while also getting into the right position. And it it takes you, she's a real pro, but it takes you out of it because she just knows where I need to be, what I need to do. And it became like watching someone kind of wrestling a, a, a broomstick a little bit. It's also weird that the, I, I get why they needed to do the six man tag to get the whole, they're breaking into Hangman's house to make this personal. Which is which is fine. They're really leaning a little bit with the Copeland Sting stuff that he's going to wind up turning on on those guys and, and aligning with Christian. Like you that's so? where. It, well, uh, one of my friends had pointed out to me that Copeland and Christian have not laid hands on one another. Yeah, yeah. So it's very possible that this is going to end with those guys uniting, and then what is it? Edge and Christian versus Sting and Darby. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. Probably oh, sorry. Adam Copeland and Christian. Oh, I I guess you can get there. Um, you know, I, I liked I liked the edge edge Sting segment. I mean, look, no, I didn't like how Sting was louder than than everybody in the room and whatever. But it does make you know what Sting said. He got to the point, and it did make sense, which is. You know, a guy like Ric Flair who just came out earlier tonight as my present. I learned a lot from him. And I learned how to pick out snakes and your buddy Christian is a snake and you should know better. That's good stuff. And that trios match is a fun idea. Oh, and the swerve thing, man, I didn't like it. I'm, I'm tired of guys going to people's houses. I'm just over it. I want, I want new, new ways of attack. You know, there's more places than just uh, a person's home. Yeah. But hangman cares about his family. So yeah, I guess sure, that's cool. kind of the, the and that's thing. True, and that makes sense. Yeah, I just just wasn't too crazy about it, even though I I do think it advances the uh the feud. Yeah, I guess well, you know, they're they're trying they're trying to get you really kind of invested and, and hyped in it. So I guess I'm I'm okay with that to to some extent. And and I think it looked it looked good and I like that um Nana is kind of like pulling away and he's now gonna wind up being that uh kind of that Sami Zayn character a little bit where he's just reluctantly a part of this because they realize he's a baby face and Swerve is not. Wow. And once Swerve finally beats the shit out of at Anana, you're going to get some real, real great heat out of it. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Well, well I hope well, they stay together for, for a little bit because the dance and the song is too perfect together. Yes, the dance and the and the the... the whatever but he can you know theoretically make it work um it's not like tony would have something white hot and then completely drop it like uh you know 
uh, everything he's ever had. Everything I was gonna say the acclaim, but yeah, everything he's ever had. Like those guys just being complete goofs right now is kind of weird. But the acclaimed, yeah, yeah, man, I don't like them as trios champs. I think uh, I don't know. It's just seems repetitive, and I understand comedy matches, but you're the champs. Like, let's have some serious moments. It would be it would be nice, but you know. It it is what it is. What if Billy really Gunn is the devil? Um, that's not how physics works. Yeah, I guess the acclaim probably has to get attacked, right? That's honestly, and it's crazy to say that is my fucking hope because I don't want the acclaim to team up with MJF. I hope when you think he has to team with the acclaimed, they get attacked, yes. and then he has to team with someone else. My hope is that the devil is Ole Anderson. Let's really pay off the Black Scorpion storyline <laughs> and and make it Ole Anderson. Like there's there's no good reveal for that, is there? No, no. No. Because well, if it's Cole, like it could be Cole. It could be Cole, and that's cool, man. I, I think that's a that's that's fine. It 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 sticks to what it it probably just should be, which is Cole. And then, you know, there's always people in the back of their heads going, Punk, is Punk gonna come back? Is this all what if it's Jungle Boy? Oh no! What if the devil was Jack Perry the whole time? <laughs> oh fuck! I didn't. No, I don't think he'd fit his hair in the mask. Oh, uh, and I would just what a what a disappointment. Uh, unless it's a debuting guy. Yeah, but who's a debuting guy that matters? Who's no out one. there? But that's, that's. I think that's kind of the 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 problem AEW put themselves in, and I've always been critical of. They they fell into this trap of surprise debuts and former WWE guys. Yeah, and there was no one that WWE released that would make sense to be the devil that where it would really matter. Like, like the biggest name it could be would be like Ziggler, but that wouldn't matter. Yeah, that would not matter. No, it's got to be someone that fans in AEW are invested in, and that's why I feel like it's got to be Cole because people still go crazy for him. It's gotta otherwise be- lift off the mask, and then I mean tonight, dude. And sometimes AEW, and not just because of the crowd size, but sometimes you get like, and every wrestling crowd gets this. You just go to a lame duck city where everybody feels like they're on uh, meds or something. And what if you do a face? You know, how many times in AEW something cool has happened, but the crowd was kind of lame. And I, and, and I hope that doesn't happen. That's yeah. why it needs to be someone we're kind of expecting, like Adam Cole, unless it's CM Punk. The, I mean, the best worst one would be if it was like Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, I don't know. I want to do that it for Oh, that would be terrible. It'd be yeah, this, that would be bad. Because I, I Tony want Kyle over, back. I think Kyle could help the storyline, but I don't think he could be the devil. But my, I think the problem is Tony oh, like over-invests in guys and thinks that they're bigger deals than they are. So that's why I'm worried it could be somebody that's kind of flat. Because they, they showed the devil – He's not particularly big, so it's not like you can say, oh, it's really, you know, Big Bill, for example. Um, and then it has to be someone where it makes sense because they attacked uh, – uh, what's his – I can't even think of his fucking – Jay White. His name went blank. Who cares? Like he, they attacked Jay White once, and then nothing really happened. Yeah, so – well, yeah, he, uh, Bullet Club Gold, right? So you go, oh, is it like New Japan Associated? That's why part of you goes, oh, Kenny. Kenny maybe is the devil. But then Kenny comes out and challenges him to the match. You go, this devil doesn't do that. Certainly not Samoa Joe. That'd be hilarious, though. Yes. If he, he was just like in the in the best pair of Spanx ever, it's what <laughs> shrunk him down so so tightly. 
Um, but yeah, you know what? We'll, we'll, I have faith that Tony Khan knows what he's doing, and we're going to get a fantastic payoff. Uh, let's transition now to our, our high spot, low spot of the week. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll start my my low spot, which I kind of touched on earlier, was just how flat Raw was. Raw a week before was really fantastic, and then this week it was like they had the, the right people and nobody really did anything. They, they had like a Cody promo with Judgment Day in the beginning of the show that was them talking at each other and not saying anything of consequence. They brought out Logan Paul, who same thing. It was just he was there, didn't do a hell of a lot. Um, their their use of, of Judgment Day, just let's just plug and play and put everybody in different spots. It just felt a lot of we're, we're just kind of burning time and, and running on a treadmill. And that has not been how raw has felt of late. So that was a bummer. My, my high spot and I'm doing, it's a high spot with an asterisk because I'm kind of curious where this is going to end is impact wrestling is now TNA again. And on the one hand that comes with a lot of unnecessary baggage, like Jeff Jarrett history and Dixie Carter history. But the response from people, people seem to be pretty excited about the the rebrand. And I think TNA, for whatever it's worth, at least as a name people understand versus saying Impact Wrestling, which is, uh, which is definitely a mouthful. So I'm hoping that this will get some renewed interest because it seems like what they're putting out there of late has been incredible. I know you watched the pay-per-view. I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet, but I heard the Osprey Mike Bailey match was, was really fantastic. Uh, the, the main event with Alex Shelley and Josh Alexander was supposedly very good. Uh, they've, they've got a lot of momentum. They now have a steel as a producer uh, and uh, he didn't bite anyone. So that's a plus. And I guess punk was hanging out backstage. And my prediction before was where should punk wind up? It should be a place like TNA where there's low stakes and he can just kind of do what it is that he wants. Well, so I have a question about that. My high spot is that impact pay-per-view and not just the switch to TNA, but in the, um, in the Patreon, I, I reviewed bound for glory. And before they even announced that TNA is coming back, the name there's moments on this pay-per-view where I'm like, Oh, this, this is TNA. This feels like TNA. This is what I loved about TNA. Uh, specifically the Osprey and Mike Bailey match. But um, in terms of Punk, right, because Punk was there the next day after Bound for Glory, they taped, I guess, Impact tapings for the TV show, and Punk was there. Do you think it's a thing of he goes there? Because, look, CM Punk is like a million-dollar con, even more than a million-dollar contract. If he goes to WWE or somehow returns to AW, right? Yeah. But because there's this rumor, which I don't know if I believe yet, that is WWE is not going to sign him. Is it smart for a guy like him to go to Impact TNA, not cause trouble for like a year, and then leave because there's proof of no trouble caused? I I think there's no downside to it. You're putting eyeballs on TNA. He he constantly asserts this claim that he loves wrestling. That that everything he do, he does or has done is in furtherance of wrestling. The whole reason he got in trouble in AEW the first time was because he was trying to coach up guys like Hangman Page because he wants them to be better, and he would call out folks for it who were calling him out and not doing what was right for business. 
And then the second time he got in trouble was when he was trying to tell Jungle Boy, like, you don't need to go through real glass. You're going to hurt yourself. And it it blew up into another another major issue. So his exodus from AEW was not because he was actively being a dick, but because he was actively trying to help. And that in turn turned him into a dick. Um, going to a place like TNA, working with a roster of young guys and established talent that probably don't get the spotlight they deserve and showing you can play well in the sandbox goes a long way for WWE to say, yeah, we can go ahead and bring this guy in. I, I think that he will get signed by WWE, just not yet. Wow. Yeah. High spot is that Osprey Mike Bailey match, man. It was uh, one of the matches of the year for me, just in terms of, you know, having two great wrestlers have a have an epic wrestling match that you expect is one thing, right? Danielson versus whoever, Omega versus whoever. With this match, it's we all know Mike Bailey is great, but he still has so much more to grow. Yeah, that you got one of those like, oh wow, we we saw a glimpse into Mike Bailey's future in this match, and we just saw how great Will Ospreay is in this match. It was just so damn cool. It's like a reason I love pro wrestling is to get to watch shit like this. And so everybody should go out of their way to watch that. And I think my low spot is that they they still do things like Monsters Ball matches where the, the idea is, you know, every competitor in this match was in a dark room for 24 hours and we didn't give them food or water. And now they're oh, extra God, agitated that. that they're wrestling. And it's like, you are removing us like so far from what, what like, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, yes, wrestling is fantastical, but don't make me like reach that far for something you're trying to do. And PCO is already Frankenstein and I'm into it. He doesn't have to have an empty belly for me to think he's, by the he's, way, um, PCO, inconsolable. PCO, friend of the show. Yeah, love PCO. He's, yeah, he's been on before. He was great. Oh, no doubt. So yeah, my low spot is like, hey, if you're gonna be TNA, you got you gotta you know shake off some of these like very very dumb things you do, like every pay per view having a moment where Bully Ray dances. So Jeez. yes, low spot. My low spot impact. My high spot the potential of TNA. Yeah, uh, I mean the the crazy thing about Speedball Mike Bailey is. He was a dude that was on everybody's radar years ago and then got banned from wrestling in the United States for five years. What? Yeah, he he snuck in without a visa to go wrestle, I think like an Evolve show, and then they prohibited him from entering the country for five years, which – Well, he's really, a Canadian, right? He's Canadian, yeah. And I guess he thought like no one's going to give a shit, and they gave a shit, and that, that, was, that was rough for him. And I do like that Osprey uh, has Barry Bloom as his agent which means he's serious about going forward and uh, and signing somewhere. You know, you don't you don't get Barry Bloom because you want to go to wrestle in New Japan and do indies in the UK. You get Barry Bloom because you want a deal at WWE or you want a deal in AEW. Yeah. So I'm hoping we're moving closer and closer to Osprey being a, a regular fixture on weekly TV uh, as we are moving closer and closer to wrapping up this show. So Scott, what do you want to plug? Oh, my other podcast out for smokes. Uh, this podcast, Patreon, we got, we got a damn good Patreon. So subscribe and um, nothing else, man. Watch Omega versus MJF on collision. I, I think it's going to be fun. 
I think Jay White will be there. I think Samoa Joe will be there. <laughs> I think Wardlow might even show up. You, you never know. Uh, and Jim, hopefully Jim Ross will be there calling that match because that'll really. Come on. Why do you got to say these things? Because uh, I think it'd be fantastic if it's just surly, slow speaking Jim Ross trying to call that match. Oh, dude, I'm so glad you said that. So the main event of Collision was actually, before we go, it was, I think it was the tag match, right? It was Big Bill and Ricky Starks versus um, Claudio and Wheeler, right? Sure. And so it's a tag match. And as they're making their entrances, Jim Ross, um, it's his first, it's the main event, but it's the only match he's calling that night. So he's just arrived and these competitors come out in a tag match and he's like, uh, he goes, these four men are going in four different directions. And I'll talk about that more during this match. And it's like, no, that's the opposite of what's going on. It's these are tag teams and each, you know, they're, they're bonding on their tag. It's like be, you know, bullet, uh, what the fuck Blackpool combat club is not going anywhere. And Ricky Starks and big bill have just come together. So to say these four men are going in very different directions right now, means you're just saying things and aren't watching the tele the product. And to hear um the guys react to him like, uh yeah, anyway. Yeah, he's gotta go. Unfortunately, I love Jim Ross. It's just let him speak passionately about the shit he likes, not the things he's not even paying attention to. He can't he can't speak passionately about the shit he likes because no one wants to hear about him lusting after twenty year olds. <laughs> uh but oh I will I will say this is this is Record this, guys. This is a slight moment of praise for Excalibur. My my body just almost rejected me saying that. But during the main event of Dynamite, he slipped in a fantastic Simpsons reference where he talked about how Brian Danielson has an inanimate carbon rod in his arm. Uh, that popped me. So stranger things have happened. My plugs. You can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. And we will be back next week. Uh, with another exciting edition of Wrestle Roast. Uh, on behalf of everyone, I will wish you best of luck in your future endeavors. And Scott, what do you want to say? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Thanks, guys.